what I would say is that you really need to know your brand. You need to know what it stands for. You need to know what it does, what it doesn't do, uh, and just essentially how you want it to shine. DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain How does a quality voiceover benefit digital marketing? How can a voice impact your brand? And what are the most common mistakes that businesses make when it comes to picking a voiceover artist? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask our special guest today, Stephanie Cicerelli. Stephanie, welcome to DMR. Well, thank you, David. I'm glad to be here. Well, yeah, thanks indeed for joining me. Well, Stephanie is author of Voice Acting for Dummies and co-founder and CMO of Voices.com. Considered as one of the most connected people in the industry, she's been heard on radio, appeared in television and contributed to articles in Forbes, Success Magazine and CNN Money. So, Stephanie, is the selection of a voice to represent your brand really that important? Well, it certainly is, because whenever you represent your brand, you want it to be the absolute best representation that it can be, and the same with the voice. It has to reflect who you are and, and what you want others to perceive you as. So definitely, David, when someone is going about finding the right voice to represent their brand, they need to take into consideration factors like, who are we? How do people see us? You know, How do we want others to see us? And does the voice kind of have all of those qualities that we hold dear, that maybe are part of their company culture, are those coming through in the way that they are speaking and in the way that they are representing the company and all of the people who work there? Right. I mean, I hear lots of um, talk um, at the moment um, about finding a, an ideal one person to aim your marketing at, um, to to find really a buyer persona, uh, to, to, to be the kind of... Um, person that you're aiming at um, entirely. Now, I would imagine um, that would be the person that you're aiming at with regards to finding um, a voice. So if you're looking for someone to actually um, act in your behalf um, as that voice, um, what decisions, what thinking process do you need to go through to determine things like whether or not it should be male or female, what the accent should be, and um, what, what the overall, um, I guess, uh, tone should be? It really depends on who your audience is. So much of what we do in the arts and in voice and in all of these related fields is we are speaking to an audience and we have to make sure that whatever it is we're saying or sharing with them or communicating is being conveyed in a way that means something to them, that they can relate to and that they can understand in a way that um, is just unique to them. So of course you got to think, well, who exactly are we speaking to? And that will determine the type of voice that you choose in so much as, well, is this an instructor? Is this someone who is talking like they're their friend? You know, is this maybe a company spokesperson or is it a narrator? Are they supposed to be a little bit detached from what's going on because they're meant to be kind of omniscient and, and unbiased. So we have to be thinking about the role that that voice is playing, who they are in relation to the audience, because the audience will respond so much better to someone that they want to hear from and the message will be communicated well as long as the person who's communicating it actually understands what's being said, they know who the audience is, and they have a special connection with them and can speak to them on a level that others can't. Okay, 
Um, can you think of any businesses that um, um, you've watched perhaps a video from to actually um, review their products and service and um, you've heard the voice that's actually talked about what they offer and you felt that um, it just doesn't match the product and service that um, um, they're trying to represent and um, you're, you've been turned off um, that particular product or service because of that? Well, certainly. And a lot of the bigger brands don't run into this. You know, they have people who are kind of set up in positions in marketing who are uh, totally focused on making sure that everything is is right to a T. You know, they've, they've dotted their I's and, and they're fully aware of who their audience is. But in some cases, you might run across companies that maybe aren't as big, um, possibly smaller brands, uh, companies that aren't thinking about their audience. Those are the ones who would fall into the trap of just any voice will do or, you know, like just anyone. Maybe they're having someone in their own office read the script. That's a common kind of, I suppose, if you were to say, where might a shortcoming be in how a message is is uh, conveyed is in the quality of the voice actor, but but also in kind of uh, if they actually represent what that audience uh, wants to hear from. So a classic example might be a telephone system, let's say. And if you have somebody who works in customer service or in your accounting department doing your corporate voicemail, it's not going to sound as polished. Um, maybe the audio quality itself won't be up to par, but you're going to have a very different way of interpreting that script because if you don't come from a background where you're used to stepping into the head of someone else or you know, you're know you an actor, you're, you're jumping in, you're thinking, who am I in relation to these people? How can I best reach them if that's lacking then that's where you're going to have a real disconnect okay and you also mentioned scripts there now should a business put together the whole script themselves for a voiceover artist um, or should there be some leeway for the voiceover artist to actually change things a little bit to actually get it um, feel a little bit more like their own personality well, that's a good question. I suppose it depends on just how strict the marketing department is. or Because, you know, when a piece of copy is written, and again, it's another word for, like, the commercial script, or, you know, if you have uh, the lines that are being read, often the word copy is used to describe those, like advertising copy. Um, you know, usually they've gone through such an incredible vetting process that you don't want to touch the script as a voice talent uh, for fear that, that perhaps you're overstepping your bounds or uh, that maybe, well, this has gone through five different approvals. And the last thing someone would want you to do is to change what's on the printed page. Um, but that said, you know, sometimes there are opportunities, as you noted, David, for someone to kind of infuse part of their own personality. And depending on what that read is for, um, there's certainly more room for improvisation. Like improv is, is a skill that a lot of actors have. They can draw upon it. Um, but maybe when it comes to changing the words, you need to ask someone in advance because the last thing you want to do is step on the toes of all the people who were involved in crafting this this very specific uh, piece of copy that's meant to represent the company. Um, but one way, if I could, that sometimes people will infuse part of themselves without actually manipulating the words on the page is to kind of just add a little laugh here and there or, you know, like exactly just like what you did. So... You know, or they, they might kind of take a little bit of uh, a cadence or, or their timing, the pacing, the way they say something. They could stretch a word. They could color it differently. Uh, those are ways that an actor can kind of make something their own without changing the script and, and you know, keeping the integrity of what was meant to be said. 
Okay. Um, now, what about um, if a business isn't that sure that the script um, is right or the voice artist is correct? Um, have you ever uh, encouraged a business to split test a video or a piece of audio to see which one the actual customers prefer and perhaps that influences the quantity of sales as well? You know, I don't think I've personally recommended that anyone do that, but it's an interesting idea because if we think about focus groups and other parts of the industry, let's say movie trailers, for instance, um, they're going to go with whatever the group thinks they ought to go in that direction for. So uh, for a very, very long time, nothing ever changed in terms of the style of the read of how uh, the voiceovers for movie trailer were delivered. So Don LaFontaine, who passed away in 2008, was kind of that fellow that everyone grew up hearing him. He had done trailer and was in voiceover for over 40 years, and he set the standard. Now, when you have something that everyone is used to hearing in a certain way, you kind of don't want to, you know, it's the whole don't break it if it's, uh, or don't fix it if it's not broken. That's sort of, you know what I'm saying. But if it's not broken, don't fix it. There we are. Um, So at any rate, you might run into that where people just want to stay with what they know works, right? Um, But certainly someone could split test and they could in effect say, you know, we're not entirely certain of what voice to go with. We're going to do a little bit of a test here, but I, I'm just trying to think of where that might apply. Um, you know, you probably can't split test your phone system, for instance, or you couldn't because that's everyone's calling into this one line and they're going to hear what they hear. But I guess if it's a big enough decision and maybe you're having a number of ears kind of listening in. Like the beauty of what we're doing is when someone posts a job at voices.com, they get to audition all these different voices and anyone who's on that creative team can then go through and review the different samples and maybe they can have their own internal focus group on it. They don't necessarily have to show the customers, well, here's one and here's the other. Certainly it's easier to do with uh, landing pages and video, and maybe you have two different videos where you might try it. But but really, I, I don't think I've explored that topic. So I'm glad you brought it up. It, it is certainly of interest. Um, but a lot of people may not want to invest in you know basically having the voiceover recorded twice. Uh, you know, just to find out. Um, it, it all depends on how much of a budget they have to allocate toward that sort of activity of the testing. Um, because the professional voiceover will have a cost. Um, and just keeping that in mind, it, it might just be best for people to sit, all those who are kind of the stakeholders, to sit together and to review these auditions or for wherever they are. There could be auditions that are shared with them online. They don't have to be in the same room. Yes. Yeah, so, no, sorry. I mean, uh, I was just going to say that um, obviously in relation to digital performance, it's probably not the primary thing that you would focus on in terms of testing. Um, you'd obviously want to improve things like website speed and responsive design mm-hmm. and um, get all those elements correct to begin with before you start um, tweaking things like testing audio. Um, but um Perhaps if a business um, relies on on video and audio on that video um, to have sales videos produced um, to sell their products, then perhaps uh, it could result in a significant conversion rate increase. So I I guess it depends on the type of business as well. Um, One other question actually um, that sprung to mind related to accents. Um, And um, do you have any opinion in relation to... um, preconceptions about different accents because I know that um, certainly in the UK um, different call centres prefer um, people to be based either in certain certain parts of Scotland or the north of England because um, apparently certain accents from there are perceived a little bit more trustworthy for big brands like banks. 
Um, so um, does that same kind of thing apply in Canada and perhaps in the United States? And, and if so, um, do you find that any particular type of business prefers to actually go for a certain type of accent? Yes, yes. There's a lot of that certainly going on where an accent of particular note in America, let's say, um, they would want to have a very standard kind of uh, not even, they would call it a neutral accent. So it wouldn't really, it would sound like you're from the Midwest United States, if you will. Um, but if you've ever listened to the NPR, National Public Radio, um, they have a certain sound. Like Just like in Canada, the CBC, the announcers, the way they speak, how they pronounce the words, um, there's a certain way that they sound that you can hear them all across the country, but you wouldn't necessarily know what part of the country they're from. So a more general accent, if you will, kind of a standardized accent, um, that is something that voice talent here in North America are using to essentially open up more doors for their business. Because if you have a regional accent, that can, in some cases, work to your disadvantage. But if you can acquire a number of accents to open up other doors to work in different markets and also have that kind of more broad general accent, accent, then certainly uh, that is in demand. Um, but certainly also, I would say that the British accent in general, like, I know there's so many different accents. And I, like, I, know, I know I'm speaking to you right now and it's just like, oh man, I, I'm not going to be able to list them all. But like just the the idea of it sounding like it has come from Britain, this accent, wherever it might be, has this immediate sense of prestige and kind of there's a currency to that accent. Um, I'm not sure if it comes from just uh, basically a Canada, we're in the dominion of Canada and we have British roots, um, but we tend to revere that accent and no matter what a British person says, even if it's somewhat silly, it could come across as being quite intelligent. So if you know what I mean, like if you could be telling a very like a mundane little tip or something or, or something like public knowledge and like, oh, my goodness, that's quite an insight, you know. Um, so like just that accent, it carries a certain weight. And I think that that's something that you're finding, too. When you reference the banks, you're like, well, there's a certain weight that this accent from the north of England or in Scotland um, that they want to be using it because it has more of a trust Factor. People trust it. And that's the same when we have, like, someone will say, oh, I want a British accent. And, you know, forgive us for just lumping it all in as the British accent. Um, but essentially, that is is kind of a, a an amazing accent for a North American company to use if they want to appear more prestigious, if they want to appear as though they are um, maybe... Uh, more established, you know, there's a history, there's kind of a, a an astute kind of just, it, it's a beautiful accent. And the same, like if other accents as well can be used to either open up new doors to other markets or to kind of uh, color how someone will hear a message. Right, okay. And I guess the same can be said about someone's age as well, because obviously someone that's young and has a, a youthful young uh, voice uh, is perceived very differently compared with someone that's older as well. Mm -hmm. uh, that's true. Well, it, it all depends on the audience again, David. So um, it's who that audience wants to hear from. A long time ago, like decades ago, it was kind of the announcer voice and, and that 
male, uh, kind of middle-aged voice, senior, more of a mature voice seemed to be what everyone was using because that was kind of who people were listening to at the time. But but right now, the trend is to go away from the announcer voice and to have more of a real person, as in someone that could be your neighbor, someone that you trust, uh, a peer, somebody who um, is just like you and they have no agenda, they're just genuine and they want to help. That's the sort of read that has been dominating over the last number of years here in North America in particular because people don't want to be sold to. They want to feel like they are being engaged in a conversation and that they are ultimately being spoken to by a friend who has their best interests at heart. Okay, now what about the technicalities of um, getting a voiceover artist to provide you with audio? Um, Do you need to be concerned about, um, first of all, the quality of audio and perhaps equipment they use? Um, And is there any particular file type that you should request from them in order to actually um, get the best possible quality voice? Well, of course, we always have to be concerned with audio quality. Um, Technology is the great leveler. You know, it's quite the level playing field now, and especially with the costs that have gone down in association with the equipment and just kind of getting a setup. Like, not just about anyone with a computer and a microphone can do voiceover, but, but that's kind of what people think. It's like the American Idol syndrome where it's like, oh, my goodness, you know, I can sing or I, I can speak, so therefore I can do this. Um, you know, you need to be aware that there is there are professionals who do this all day long all the time uh, they're well versed in the technical side of production as well as the artistic and then there are others who are just kind of getting started building up their studio so the best way to kind of identify who might be the best fit in terms of their audio production is to listen to them read a sample of your script so in other words you're not listening to a demo that you find that could have been produced in an amazing recording studio What you're doing is you're listening to somebody who is in their recording environment where they would be doing the job and kind of listening for, well, can I hear anything that's kind of, you know, out of the ordinary? Um, Is there a toilet flushing in the background? Mm. Are there birds? You know, is there a child saying, mom? You know, like you you listen for these things because in this day and age, you kind of have to. But at the same time, we need to remember that there are amazing talent out there who have all the skills and certainly um, they are the ones who will rise to the top. But just to always be aware that whatever that custom audition sounds like, whatever that read is that comes to you, is what it's going to sound like in the end. Right, okay, that's a good tip. Not to worry too much specifically about the equipment they use um, and just trust your ear, uh, listen to how they perform. And if they obviously provide you with a good quality file, then it doesn't matter what they produce it on, really. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so when you're reviewing it for the first time, like on voices, you'll be hearing them on an MP3 recording. That's just how we do it. But but when it comes time to actually having the job recorded and the audio sent to you, you can have it sent to you in whatever format you need it to be. So if it's a WAV file, if it's any other kind of file, I know telephone systems are, are interesting because they have a variety of different file formats and you definitely need the audio in the appropriate format. Um, but that's just uh, when you you're listening you should be able to pick up on little things like are they editing out breaths or did they cough or you know like just making sure that it's broadcast ready audio it may not be going on the radio but is this ready to use and if not then you need to be uh, looking at talent whose audio is ready to use and working with those talent 
Well, that's some great um, audio tips from you there, so thanks for that. But let's segue into the second section of our discussion. So that focuses more on your thoughts on where digital marketing's been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. What software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Oh, wow. (laughs) Well, I would say Hootsuite is a fantastic tool. Um, We rely on Hootsuite to pre-schedule content, but also to monitor what's going on. So I would say that that one in particular, for our marketing efforts, is is the, uh, the tool I would reference. Okay, and a slightly more challenging question. What software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you've intended to try at some point in the near future? Oh, my well, that's a good question. <laughs> I suppose there's all kinds of different ways that you can um, measure, monitor. I, like, I, I can't honestly name one right now. Maybe I can say that we've underutilized certain tools um, and would certainly like to use them more for our marketing. Um, Pinterest would be maybe a tool that I could cite as being an area where we do have a presence, but, uh, you know, just like anything else, we're learning and uh, you're learning how best to use it and certainly um, knowing full well that it is an area we can explore and do better in. That's interesting. Um, It's um, certainly a social network that's um, grown very quickly over the past few years. And obviously, it's just um, started fairly recently offering a pay-per-click advertising service, I believe. Um, So there's an an opportunity to drive paid traffic there as well. But obviously, you're primarily focused on um, the audio medium. Um, But does that mean that you produce... um, infographics or images as a, as, a, as a way to market your business as well? Well, we certainly do have some infographics that kind of break down, oh, well, this is what it looks like in terms of industry, the kinds of work that's out there, the languages that they're requiring, and, and this sort of idea. Um, but we do blog a lot. We have a great deal of content on the website that we create for people to attract them to learn more about Voices.com. Uh, we also have videos and just teaching people again how to use the website or, or highlighting the different features of, of our apps and so on. Um, but essentially, yes, we are creating content in any number of different formats. Audio is another area that we do specialize in as a, a service provider, but we have a corporate podcast as well. So there are a couple there where we do have um, voiceover experts is one and Vox Talk is the other. So we have a, a great grasp on kind of getting the information out there in different formats. And in fact, that's something that we really try to do is to maximize our content. So anything that we create, we expect that there should be at least three to five other applications of that same piece. So we repurpose for this will go on the blog, that might go on a news site, this is going to be shaped into another way for a newsletter, Uh, you know, this one can be used as fodder for the podcast, and oh look, here's another opportunity that we can take what was written, because it might be more of a resource type uh, piece of content, and then put it on the website in our Frequently Asked Questions database for people to access that way. Right. Okay. And it sounds like you participate in a lot of content marketing. Um, Does that mean that um, the majority of people that find out about Voices.com would find out about it via that your content marketing as opposed to any paid marketing activity? Well, yes, I would definitely say that um, we've done quite well with organic 
search. So our search engine optimization strategies uh, are mainly to create content and to rank in Google or other search engines to bring traffic. We do advertise here and there, but um, we love to create value. And in that, we've just found that our search and the size of the website is, is just, um, it's got so many resources that those are generally what is bringing people to us is, is what's on the website. Um, we can kind of amplify that through social media. Certainly that does send some traffic, but we also leverage our own um, ability to send newsletters to our customers to point out certain articles that we believe would be of interest to them and then also encourage uh, word of mouth and, and other speaking engagements. We, we also are topic matter experts and contribute to other sources. So, uh, for instance, I contribute to Backstage Magazine and I'm one of their experts on there. So we create content sometimes with the sole purpose of having it kind of published somewhere else so that it can help drive traffic back to Voices.com. So in effect, what we're doing is we're having our content placed on other channels outside of our network so that they can help point traffic back to Voices.com. And as I was saying, Backstage is a perfect example of how we can write for an audience that should benefit from what we have and certainly does. These are actors. And when they read something that we have written on Backstage, there, of course, is the link there. And it sends them back to Voices and it just ties everything together very nicely. Okay, and those are organic links, I take it, rather than links that you track for um, advertising. Yeah, yeah, those would be, like, it's essentially earned media yeah. for us. Okay, great. I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you are involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Wow, marketing online. Um, I think it would be... And that's a good question. What didn't we do well back back then? Well, it's been 10 years since we first started the business. And uh, we made really good use of email marketing um, and SEO. So to think of it in terms of what didn't we do online that we could have been doing better is very hard for me because we started as a company that was based online. So we really had to just do everything in our power. Um, but... What I would say is we probably didn't have as much content as we could have on the website. We started building it out, of course, um, but maybe initially we could have had more contents that could have been indexed earlier. We could have had a blog earlier than we did or a podcast earlier than we did. But truth be told, we did jump on these fairly early. We're early adopters of the technology and a lot of you know what we could do at the time. Uh, when the first iPod came out, we were on that. We created a, a book about how to podcast, you know, so um, we were we were on it. We were on it. But so far as what we could have done better, certainly, I think it, it might have been creating more content and creating more content specifically for the people who were coming to hire the talent. Um, our expertise, of course, was in voice and audio. So we knew all about the art and the craft of voiceover. But uh, so far as actually building out content for those clients, uh, we could have done better. The this or that round. Okay, this is the quick response round. Ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction here. Ready to go? Yeah. Email or Twitter? Twitter. Audio or video? Audio. That wasn't tricky. <laughs> <laughs> Affiliates or display advertising? 
Display advertising. Facebook or Google Plus? Facebook. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? Oh, press releases. Paid search or SEO? SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Email contact form. Website or app? App. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Email subscriber. And local marketing or global marketing? Global marketing. Yay! <laughs> you breeze through them, no problem at all. Um, gracious, they're all such good questions. I could have said answers for both of them, frankly, each time. <laughs> it's, it's, it's nice to um, see what your instinct is. It was interesting that you picked app over website. Um, is that something you're focusing on a lot um, at the moment for your own business? Well, certainly. Uh, we have app preview videos and we've been really focused on the apps lately I suppose so maybe it's just on the brain but I know that if I'm on the go obviously if it's you know out somewhere I'm gonna be pulling up an app for something and and I I think when you said app it just made me think of my favorite apps and and therefore I kinda said exactly what first came to mind Oh, that's interesting. Um, and I just uh, had a, an email that pop up just now to say that um, my app status is in review in iTunes. So I hope they approve it for my digital marketing radio app. So <laughs> fingers good. crossed. Um, anyway, let's move on to the $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? I would spend it on hiring people and the reason for that is because we have a team and our challenge is to grow it as quickly as we can and we're certainly growing and growing and growing but the more resources that we have internally so far as uh, staffing, uh, the more jobs we can bring in for our voice talent and, and essentially it's really the jobs, it's what it comes down to and the more people we have on the phones and the more people who are reaching out frankly the better we do uh, we we can't scale up in terms of other areas um, you know you can only write so much you know if you have only so many writers or you can only sell so much if you have only so many employees so uh, I would invest in human resources that's great and I love to hear an answer like that because um, I used to phrase this particular question slightly differently and they actually asked people um, if they'd select um, a single digital marketing activity but of course that tends to um, tunnel vision people a little bit more into perhaps paid marketing or something like that but um, as you've described um, growing your business by employing more people can of course then have that indirect impact in your business growing as well so a perfectly legitimate way to grow your business quickly mm-hmm. great okay well just that leaves us with my number one takeaway so stephanie you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation but what's the number one takeaway what's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses mm-hmm. that is wonderfully put uh what i would say is that you really need to know your brand you need to know what it stands for you need to know what it does what it doesn't do Uh, and just essentially how you want it to shine in front of other people. Uh, When you know your brand, you know how you're going to market, you know who you're going to market to, you understand better how to communicate your message, but also how to attract customers and to sell your services to those who are interested. Wonderful. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. So thank you so much for your time, your focus and your advice. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? 
Well, certainly they can find me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Steph, S-T-E-P-H, and then Cicerelli, it's kind of hard, C-I-C-C-A-R-E-L-L-I. So Twitter would be kind of one way to get to know me a bit better. Um, but essentially, if, if you uh, listen to the Vox Talk podcast, you can find that in iTunes as well and kind of keep your finger on the pulse of what we're up to. And of course, head over to Voices.com to find out what you do as a business as well. Yes, yes, that would be fantastic. Excellent. Okay, well, thanks again. Thank you. Digital marketing radio, digital marketing radio, digital marketing radio.com.